welcome to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Chelsea. And this is what we're nerding out about this week. Hey nerds, welcome back to Nerd Ascended. It has been a while because we've had a little bit of a personally rough summer um, because 2021 decided to be a little more harsh than 2020, which uh, is disappointing, but we have made it through it. And we are excited to say we are recording this intro live from 2021. Whoa, I can't even speak English anymore because I'm so excited because we're here at 2021 Rose City Comic Con here in Portland, Oregon. I just found out I've been saying George Takei's name wrong (laughs) all of my 30 years of life. Well, we learn all kinds of fun things here at Comic Con. Um, We... Kevin and my last attendance here was 2019, which Chelsea actually was unable to come to. And then, of course, last year they did not host the con. So it is really exciting to actually have this happening. Um, we ha- They have a whole system set up where you can show your vaccine card or proof of your test. So it feels a lot safer to be here than it has in a long time. Um, everybody's wearing their masks and everything. So that's awesome. But just to kind of kick off this episode, which is... If you can tell already, going to be a recap of our experience here at Comic-Con. Part of this will be recorded later, but we did want to talk a little bit about what it's been like to be here in person in an ongoing pandemic, but just kind of what the experience has been like after this two, almost two year period. So Chelsea, what has it, what does it mean for you to be here this year? What has the experience been like? Uh, It's definitely weird, but it is nice at the same time uh, especially with the required vaccination cards and the negative covid tests uh everyone is very good about wearing their masks which you can probably hear that we're wearing ours because we're good citizens of the con uh but yeah it is is strange to be here but it's also very nice because i was supposed to come in 2020 of course it didn't happen and then you know it's been kind of up and down this year on if we were sure this one was going to happen or not. Um, But yeah, it's been nice. There's been a lot of people, especially on Saturday, as you expect. Uh, But we had a good mix of the Friday-Saturday, had a little less people. It seems like the vendors are definitely selling out of stuff, which is nice to see because I know pandemic's been very hard on independent artists and creators and sellers. And they still had several very large uh, celebrities. And we got to see some of them. And saw, have seen a lot of really good cosplays. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it's like, it feels like the pandemic is definitely still happening. But at the same time, it's nice that there was a way still to have Rose City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it work. And make it happen. And um, I like your point, too, about the... It seems like a lot of the vendors are selling out because I try to buy something every year that we're here um, because I want to support, well, the con in general, but I want to support the creators that are here. But um, I feel like this year I spent actually a lot more money than I normally do um, because I was trying to make it a point to buy some new art and, you know, buy some of the fun little goodies that are around here and talk to the vendors and get to know them and... Um, I actually picked up a lot of really cool stuff this year, which we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode. And we'll talk about the celebrities that we saw and everything too. But 
I think overall this has been a really exciting, good experience, very surreal, and honestly a little bit draining too. And I think some of the panels we've gone to have really talked about this a lot, um, just how much grief and trauma we've all gone through through the last almost two years at this point. But I think for a lot of us, especially in the con community, which tends to, you know, has a bunch of nerds. We tend to be introverted people with our own social anxieties. And so cons can already be kind of draining for people that are like that. But I think after the last two years, it is just really particularly draining to be around people anymore. And you kind of ignore it because you don't really understand why or you've like pushed it at the back of your mind. But after the last two years, it is just more physically and emotionally training to be around people. It takes more effort. I also have not realized until the past couple years how much I rely on looking at people's mouths while they're talking (laughs) to understand what they're saying to me, if they are in fact talking to me specifically. So it's kind of strange to talk to people with masks on, but for the most part, everybody seems just so happy to be here. They seem to be very excited to be getting together again. It's definitely quieter than it was in 2019, understandably. Totally get that. Um, But this is a little bit of a a sign of life and also kind of a sign that, you know, I hope this is not the way the world is next year at this time. But even if it was, we can do it. We can, people can make this work. There's enough of us that have gotten vaccinated or or are willing to get the test and are willing to wear your mask to make this happen. So it's definitely been, I mean, surreal is just the word that keeps coming up to me. It's just very surreal. It is. And this is coming from a space that's taking the pandemic very seriously. Everyone here is taking it seriously. And it's still surreal and weird. Um, And draining, but it's also... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Mm -hmm. Like, this this may be the way events are for a while. Hopefully not forever, but... No, but at least we're having them. Well, hello from the future. Uh, Now that we've had some time post-Comic-Con to, um, one, live life past that, this year just continues to be 2021, as I'm sure everyone knows. Um, But now that we've had a couple weeks to kind of sit and, you know, reflect on the experience, um, we have some specific stuff to talk about that we got to do at Rose City Comic Con this year. And it's really interesting, you know, going back and listening to ourselves um, in that clip from the show floor uh, while we were actually there just because um, I think in the moment or, I mean, this is true for a lot of things. In the moment, it's easy to forget that you are actually doing something that's kind of a big deal um, because it just seems, well, for most of my life, it was just, like a, yeah, I'm going to a convention, which is super cool. But once we've had some time to like be at home after the convention, it's kind of interesting to look back and be like, no, it's actually kind of a big deal that we were there at a convention recording. And like the last two years have been, I mean, you know, there's no words anymore. I'm not, there's certain words I'm never going to say again. Like, don't say the, I was going to say, don't say the U word, but you Uh, (laughs) (laughs) did. I brought a curse upon our families for saying that, but it is just kind of crazy to take a step back and be like, no, that's actually kind of a, a huge thing that we were at Rose City Comic Con at a convention on the show floor 
talking about what it felt like to be there and actually be still in a pandemic, going to a, a convention, having masks on our face and still actually having a good time. But um, at the at the end of this episode, we're going to circle back and talk about what conventions are going to be like going forward and our thoughts on that. Um, because like many things, we're never going back, right? We're never going back to the way it was before in a lot of ways. And that's just that. I think last year we all said that like, you know, as this big revelation we had, we're never going back. And now this year it's more like, okay, yes, we know we're, we're not going back. So we're a little more like accepting of it now. But to get into the actual meat of our experience, it was a really good year at Rose Comic-Con, I thought. They did have some struggles leading up to it with uh, a couple of their big celebrity guests that were going to be there canceling, um, which is unfortunate. That happens at conventions anyway, every year, um, just with their schedules and everything. But I know this year more than ever, it's a little difficult because if they have, say, a project they're going to go work on, um, something they're going to go film, they likely have to quarantine before they go do that. And you have to quarantine for like a week or two, depending on where you are. And so if you go to a convention and it's just a week or a week and a half before you're supposed to start your next role or project that you're working on, you can't because you can't quarantine. There's not enough time for this. So unfortunately, a couple of people I was really looking forward to were not able to come, um, including Sean Astin and Kel Mitchell. That would have been so cool to see <laughs> Kel. Um, and, a room and Sean. Full of millennials losing their mind. It would have been yes. great. <laughs> that would have been a, an extremely millennial panel. Um, yeah, that might have been the first panel we ever went to that there was not a child somewhere. <laughs> yes. Although there would have been some millennials child that they've shown Good Burger to or whatever. Side note, you know who I would love to see at like a convention sometime? Lori Beth Dinberg. Where is she? Oh, yeah. What is she doing? I want to know. Lori Beth Dinberg. Where is yeah. she? I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up later. I don't know if she does the convention circuit or anything like that, but. I, I love her. Where, where are you at, Lorita? Um, but anyway, so we, we still did get to go to a couple celebrity panels. Um, in terms of like logistics of the event, I think they did um, a really good job this year. The last time we got to go in 2019, they were experimenting with clearing the room, um, the main room between every panel. And it was awful. It was, it was horrible. Um, and I say that as someone who does not go camp out and, you know, stay there throughout all these different panels and, and everything. But I mean, in my opinion, if, if you want to go in the first panel at 10 AM and stay there till three to see the person you want, have at it, like more power to you. If that's, you know, what you want to do to be able to get a front row seat. Okay. That's great. And they, they did acknowledge that in 2019, that did not go very well. So they were not doing the clearing of the room. It just, it puts so many people out there at one time. And then you get frustrated because if you actually did want to see something back to back, you are really SOL in that. Yeah. So they, they did have a lineup room or I should say queue room um, where if you wanted to get there early to make sure you could you know, be the first, uh, in the first of the next group to go in there, you could do that. But, um, because 
I would say it probably was lower attendance than 2019 for sure. It really wasn't that big of a deal anyway. I really yeah, I don't think that. the room, at least that we saw, was ever at capacity. No. So if you showed up a few minutes late, you could still walk in and yeah, get a and seat. still get a seat there. And you know, over the years that we've been going to RCC, see, <laughs> uh, there's three C's there. You know, I I'm always really happy to see them growing and succeeding and it becoming more of a popular thing, of course, because I love it. But the very first year that we went in 2015 was so wildly different than 2019 just because of the sheer amount of people that were there. And so this year it was a little bit closer to the 2015 experience than the 2019 one because there were less people there, so much easier to move around and breathe and like just enjoy things. Now, is that going to be the case forever? No, it'll pick back up, you know, in a couple years. But um, all that said, who was your favorite celebrity panel that we went? I don't know if I can pick one because my, I mean, it's tied for me because I had a great time at both of the big ones we did, which was Adam Savage from Mistbusters and Billy Boyd from, well, many things, but mostly known for Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they were both super great. Like I, I don't, I don't honestly, I can't choose like one over the other because I've admired both of them for a long time. Um, they're both on my list of white men who I'd be devastated if they <laughs> turned out to be a jerk <laughs> in yes. any sort of way. <laughs> they are so unproblematic. So I, I very much appreciate both of them. And they were, both those panels were very different experiences with some similarities. Um, what I really liked about Adams is he's clearly someone, if you know who he is or like follow anything he does, he clearly loves this stuff, right? Like he's a huge geek himself. He loves to do cosplay. That became a big deal for him last year during quarantine. And so when he came to do his panel, it started with this like produced video trailer that was actually like, I guess it was a hype reel is kind of what it was of him. And it was like a you know, clips from, I think there was some clips from Mythbusters on there, but a lot of it was from Tested. A lot of it was from him, uh, videos of him working on his costumes and everything. And, you know, had this thing at the end that was like, I think I said something along the lines of like, Adam is home or, you know, something like that. So this is clearly a big deal to him. And I just loved, I mean, what geek doesn't want their own hype reel? Like, <laughs> like that, <laughs> it was just geeky and wonderful. And he just came out there and um, did not have the, um, didn't have a moderator or a host with him. He just came out there and, you know, talked for a good portion of it and told his story and the stuff he wanted to say, and then took questions on his own, which was, you know, sometimes you go to panels and they have that like moderation factor of someone will call the questioners up and, you know, that kind of thing, ask questions of their own. So Adam really drove the show on his own, which was cool. Yeah, that was really neat. Like, I know he does conventions and presentations a lot. Obviously, he's like a he's a professional presenter, <laughs> but it was really uh, fun, and it was a uh, it was a nice mix of talking about you know like nerdy things and his career, and also he talked about COVID, but not in like a. I think it was a good mix. I think he did the right blend of talking about COVID and how it's affected him because he talked about Grant passing away 
last summer, which was not from COVID, but it was in the mm-hmm. middle of it. And that highly impacted like he and everyone else on Mythbusters, uh, how they grieved through it. And, you know, cause I couldn't do it normally. Mm-hmm. Um, that led into a good discussion of the collective grief we've had over the last two years and like the need to actually acknowledge and discuss that and to still, you know, I feel like we've had, um, there's been a lot of discussions about needing to do that, which is great, but I still think some people need that reinforced and we're still going through it. It's not over. So it's still, yeah, we're not post pandemic. <laughs> no, we are still in it. And so I think it's appropriate to not only talk about the grief for the stuff we lost, but also be like, yeah, we're here and we're happy and excited to be here, but this still isn't normal. Like this is still grief because <laughs> this is different. And he was very open about discussing that. And on the, on the flip side of his conversation, when he's telling a funny story about his mom and his mom actually called him in the middle and he answered his phone, that was pretty funny and adorable too. It was. And then he took a picture to send to his mom and then put it on his Instagram. So we are very blurry blobs forever on <laughs> Adam Savage's Instagram. <laughs> yes. My blob face is back there somewhere, but heck there somewhere. <laughs> I tried to find it. I'm like maybe that blob is us. We well, weren't we'll like in the front row or anything. So we'll claim that blob as me yeah. one in the, the back, like right corner. That's me. But overall, I felt like very, um, I just felt very like, uh, what's the word I want for this? I was going to say empowered, but that's not really the word I want. Like I felt a lot more positive after we went to his panel and it yeah. felt like <clears throat> just like a nice, time to be there and also just like something I was feeling was being acknowledged by someone and we were acknowledging it like collectively which was just it was just very nice and I'm glad that was one of the first things we did actually like that worked out really well in my opinion to like set the tone for the rest of the weekend yeah it was very nice uh the other big panel we went to was Billy Boyd I think that one was on Sunday Mm -hmm. I think it was Oh, and that one was really fun. Originally, it was supposed to be him and Sean Astin. Obviously, Sean Astin did not come, um, which is okay. Uh, I will say Elijah Wood also still owes me an RCC because he was supposed to come in 2020. Yep. The year that that didn't that was never was. <laughs> the year that never was, yes. <laughs> but Billy Boyd was uh, great on his own. Um, he did have the moderator and it was like sometimes he forgot she was there like not in like a a rude way like anytime she said something he would kind of like back up and sit back down in his chair because he was just like up and walking around yeah (laughs) the whole time (laughs) he is definitely someone that you can tell has so much energy in himself that I don't think that man could sit for very long I don't think he could (laughs) like he physically cannot he's got to get up and like do stuff and he was he was just like so fun to listen to and to listen to him tell stories for an hour and like you know a lot of these people that do the convention circuit they have done so much beyond what they're probably being recognized for at the convention Mm -hmm. but you know like kudos to them for also like keep getting your money for years and years and years past this thing that's amazing but he just seemed so like genuinely thrilled that everyone was there, but also like took it very like 
personally um, positive when someone would get up and ask him questions aside from stuff about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there was quite a few questions about his podcast mm-hmm. and his music. Which yeah, was nice. and I, I think someone mentioned, you know, one of his albums or something from his band that they were listening to on the way to Comic-Con and he was just like, oh my gosh, like just thrilled about that because it was from, I think, several several upon several years ago now that the that album had come out but he you know sometimes we've gone to celebrity panels that you know they're great and everything but just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean you're good with like talking to a giant room of people um yeah that's a that's, that's a whole different skill yeah and that's totally fine and then there's also a difference between doing a presentation panel and like having a talk in my opinion and I think both Adam and Billy really like really did like talks and panels can be great and wonderful and fun and whatever but like there really was like a conversation happening with the crowd that you were part of even if you didn't get up and ask a question yes it felt uh much more intimate I guess Mm -hmm. like it felt like you were in a small room of people even though there's quite a few people (laughs) in those Mm -hmm. rooms (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed that panel as well. It was a good mix of like similar things. Like he told stories. Uh, and even though, you know, he's like, a lot of it was very funny, but he also told very interesting, touching stories. Uh, one particular, I remember about his Hobbit stunt double, mm-hmm. which was a, I don't remember her name, but a woman from Thailand. And he said um, after filming, he went and visited her. Mm hmm. which was a very cool story and (laughs) yeah just like how much he learned about Thailand and culture and like her language and stuff from her which was really cool yeah and he said he was very excited about the Amazon uh tv series yeah not like he was gonna say well (laughs) I hate it but (laughs) no I at a certain point he he does still have like a public image right but I thought it was interesting that he said his son has not seen the Lord of the Rings movies either which was yes um, and his son is a teenager currently yeah which I feel like when you're a teenager and you have a famous parent probably a lot of the time you're like uh no well and he did say his son was interested in being a filmmaker right Mm -hmm. so yeah so maybe that plays into it like I don't want to I don't want to watch dads yeah he wants to do his own thing (laughs) uh did we go to any other big panels I don't think we did I don't think so um, because we did take it kind of more slow this year than we have in years past because, you know, when you have a year when it's super busy, you have to know exactly what you are going to be devastated if you don't see and what things you want to see, but you're going to be okay if you can't make it because rooms might be full or some of those smaller panels, you might not be able to get through the security line or park or whatever and get there in time. Mm Mm-hmm. So we just kind of took it day by day of like, well, we're not going to get up at like, you know, five in the morning to get there and try to park and whatever, because we don't really have to. So I think, I don't know that my system would have been ready for a 2019 style con at this point. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been either. No, it would have been, that would have been a lot for me. I mean, I even noticed like just throughout the days and the stuff that we did do just like how tiring it is to be around people anymore. And like, it's not a, 
because I dislike it or something, but it is, it's just tiring because your are my system is no longer wired to do that. And it's yeah. going to take it a long time to get back to doing that because I was already such an introvert and drained by people the last two years, which obviously had a lot of grief and, and struggles of my own, but for a little part of my introvert self, this has been the dream. <laughs> right? So it's going to take a while to get back to being able to, you know, go all day at a con and maybe I won't. Some people never did that anyway. Yeah. I mean, we were barely on the edge of being able to do that in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did go to several smaller panels I'm trying to remember. I don't know if I can remember them in order, but we did go to one that was about when the creator of something you love turns out to be a crappy person. And I think it was by this group. I can't remember their name of being really bad about names tonight. Expelliarmus something. It was a Harry Potter group that's been around for a long time. Uh So the panel wasn't specifically about JK Rowling, but there was a lot of us there (laughs) that Uh have been severely burned by her. And it was a really nice panel about, um, what was the name of the panel was like it's ours now or something Mm -hmm. like that and they did a very good job of how to balance like something you love and have loved for a long time like harry potter for us and for millions of people have loved it since we were very small and grew up with it and you know it's been like a what's your hogwarts house is like part of your personality (laughs) for a millennial (laughs) but they did a very good job of balancing recognizing and dealing with um the creator of something you love turning out to be an awful person especially when you've invested emotionally for a long time um there was other people that asked questions that mentioned other creators that they felt burned by (laughs) Mm -hmm. or not even felt that they were that they were very betrayed by Um, and it was also kind of nice to just be in a room of other people that this was this is not my words this was a way one of the people that asked a question put it like that we're experiencing um a disappointment so large it was like a grief mm-hmm. well and it very I, I mean I really liked that point too because it very much feels like that to me a lot of the time where <laughs> I mean I guess maybe in not exactly the same way but I guess this has kind of been a problem forever, right? Because that's why there's the saying of like, never meet your heroes because yes, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. But um, there was a, a good discussion about separating art from artists and um, several people, you know, brought up a discussion about how if they, if they buy Harry Potter um, related things now, they make sure to buy them from independent creators and not from something that JK Rowling is getting um, royalties from, if at all possible. They had discussion about fandoms too, um, and when fandoms are toxic or not. And as someone who's not um, really well versed in the Trekkie world, there was some interesting discussion about Star Trek too. And yeah, how... apparently that fandom can be very toxic, which I yeah I didn't know. I'm too I, far on the fringe of that one. I didn't know either. And and you know they had interesting points about the about several women who were Trekkies being the reason we have cons at all because Mm -hmm. they were the the first ones to do that with um a Star Trek focus convention so it was it was a very nice um 
I think it was a very nice space they created to have that, you know, have this discussion about how you talk to people who might not understand um, why you still want to be interested in that stuff. And it, it was just, it was a very good discussion overall. It was, yes. So we also went to the, the panel by the droid, droid, why is that word difficult for me to say? <laughs> droid Builders Club. So this is, except I, they probably have an official name that I'm <clears throat> not going to be able to remember because names, but they are at Comic-Con every year. And I know they do a bunch of other stuff, but it's a group of people that do build all different kinds of Star Wars, Star Wars droids. Um, from the really old school ones to the newer BB style um, droids. And they did a discussion of, you know, how they got into it, talked about some of their projects, um, how they work through challenges, how these things actually happen. And I thought the most interesting part of that was how all these people were like, I didn't know how to do electrical anything or coding Mm -hmm. anything before I got into this. And now Um, you know, one woman on the panel said that now that she learned how to do this stuff, she just got a job because of the skills she got from that. And she had a, a BB droid there that was not BB eight, but one of the other ones that the entire thing was 3d printed and, you know, has all the inner workings on there and the little head piece is held on by magnets. And, um, I also thought the most interesting thing about that was how, um, how honestly Disney they are in keeping the magic up because they said they're, you know, the one guy mentioned that their booth, he really based that off of like, he wanted you to feel like you were going to Disneyland and their booth is really cool. If you haven't had a chance to see it in person, they really do make it feel like you're walking into like a little, like a little garage or machine shop to see these droids. And they also, at whatever event they're at together, they can only have one of each droid even though a lot of people have R2-D2s, mm-hmm. they can only have one because why would there be two R2-D2s? There's only one. And so a lot of them get into building like some of these more obscure ones because they want to be able to go to as many events as they can. And they're going to have to fight over who gets to bring the R2 otherwise. So um, I thought that was super interesting and how some of the, the little like cleaning droids that they built are just like built on this specific bucket from Home Depot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's yeah, all this I like, bucket. I liked that they were Disney level of attention to detail and theming, but on the opposite end of Disney, any question you ask them, they would immediately tell you. They weren't like, oh, you've got to figure out the magic on your own. Yeah. If you pointed at something, you're like, what is that? The guy would say, I got that in aisle 11 at Home Depot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, there was a scrubber droid that they had on the table. And the guy said, I made this out of a tub from Fred Meyer. <laughs> and then I put it over a little RC car. And then these are the things from the end. And they'd said they, so um, a couple of them said they would just wander around Home Depot. Like, I want to build this droid. It has these little things on the side. And they just wander around and find mm-hmm. random pieces of stuff. Like pipe and metal and whatever but they were very forthcoming in how you actually do it mm-hmm. instead of being like oh it's a secret you have to believe in the magic 
they're yeah. real. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, was also really cool because that's how the droids in you know the initial trilogy were made anyway. Where yeah, that's how they were all made. <laughs> the prop people walking around machine shops and you know building stores and stuff and picking up random crap. And the one guy there who has built an interrogation droid from the original trilogy, you know, he was able to discover that the ones in the movies had needles on the front that were this very specific type of needle from World War II that, you know, some prop maker just picked up in some junk shop or something is where it was. And in an effort to make his as true to the film as possible, he was able to track down a guy in like Germany or something that had two of those needles and he bought both of them and, you know, has one on his droid now and even built it specifically so it could sit on the piping like the ones in the movies do to make it look like it's actually flying and everything like that. So their dedication to that was really cool. And I also appreciated that most of them were like, yeah, this is a long process. And most of it just includes me like crying and giving up (laughs) multiple times. And Kevin went to a couple other panels that we didn't go to, but um, I think really speak to just the interesting mix of content that Rose City Comic Con has. Um, He did go to one panel on that the, the writers of the Mueller Report graphic novel did about their graphic novel and he ended up buying a copy of that but it it literally is the Mueller report in graphic novel form so you can actually read it and understand and he also went to a panel on animals that have superpowers so just like some really crazy um real life animals and some of the the cool stuff they can do on on that note we didn't go to any of these but I noticed like three different panels talking about bats this year <laughs> like people were super into the bats for some reason it's a bat year <laughs> I guess so bat year but Rose City always does have such an interesting mix of smaller panels and local people that come do them and there was one we didn't go to but I thought like well heck if that's something we can do panels on then why aren't the two of us doing a panel Um, which was about visiting Galaxy's Edge at the Disney parks and how to like plan for that. Um, (laughs) Which as someone who has not been to Galaxy's Edge yet because there's nothing COVID took from me, um, our plans to finally go do that. But I was like, oh my God, we could do a panel on this? We could do that. (laughs) (laughs) So although we probably should have been able or should have gone to that one. So we'd be able to know like how in depth did they get? And they might be like, I might have left that panel being like, oh, shit, I didn't even know that stuff. (laughs) So I probably can't. I'm going to do a panel on the definite rankings of every Animal Crossing villager. Like all 500 of them. (laughs) That sounds like it would be a bloodbath. But there was weirdly, or I don't know if it was weird or not. It seemed weird to me that there really was not a lot of Animal Crossing presence at Comic-Con in general. There was it. Like I scoured that show floor because that was that was the thing that I went in and I was like, mm, I want stuff from this because I did that last time in 2017. I kind of had like, this is the thing that I want to get something from. And I, I think I saw like one print 
or two, but I didn't really, I mean, they were cool, but I didn't really want them. And then like a teeny tiny little Isabel figure. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. There just was not a lot, but the show floor in, in general is always one of my favorite parts of Comic-Con because it's so fun to just wander around and like, look at these different things people have. And it was definitely a little bit lighter than it was in 2019. Duh. Um, Cause there's <laughs> obviously some people that choose not to come because we're still in the pandemic or, you know, really rely on income at these conventions. And now they're, we're in this paradox this year of they didn't make money last year because there weren't conventions. And so now they don't have the money to go to the convention. So there, there was, I would say fewer people, um, fewer sellers overall, but what I really like about the show floor is that they divide it into the maker's market artist alley and then the main show floor. So there's a section of it, Artist Alley and the Maker's Market, that are more like, and I, I want to say those tables are cheaper. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they are. That are more like people with Etsy shops, like independent artists doing stuff. And then there's like some more established stores and companies and, and some, you know, individual makers and everything in the main floor. But I just think it's so cool to go over to the the artist alley and makers market and just see some of the stuff people are making as just like their side career. It was really crazy as someone who got super into tarot and Oracle cards over the last year. I found about this time last year, a tarot deck on Etsy and love it. It's been my favorite thing ever since. And I'm walking down the artist alley booths and suddenly there she is. She has a booth. (laughs) Nellie saw a tarot celebrity and she was so (laughs) chill about it. (laughs) Yes. Megan, I want to say her last name is pronounced Megan Weirden. I'm sorry, Megan, if you're listening. Um, (laughs) But she also had her Oracle deck that goes with the tarot deck for sale there. And so I got some art from her and the Oracle deck and it was wonderful. It was amazing. And you got some pretty cute things from that section of the show floor too. Yeah, I got more from that section than I think I did the main one, which was fine. It was great. Um, There was a specific little booth called Crocheted by Ricky. And I'm looking at her little card because I didn't want to, I didn't want to forget. Yeah. But she, she had crocheted things and they were great. Like I got a, um, what's it called? The little flower from Mario. not flower um she had those flowers too like she had a the two power up flowers but she had Mm -hmm. the the plant the evil plant that eats you that's red and white the chompy thing i don't yeah yes um (laughs) (laughs) she had those she had one of those and she had two little flowers from mario like the power up flowers and they were in actual little pots and they were so cute and like very well made so i got the little chompy flower and then we went back on Sunday because she had a bunch of Pokemon and I was like, okay, I'm going to get one. And of course, you know, I go back Sunday afternoon and all the good ones are gone. And I was trying really hard to get myself to like one of the ones that like the craftsmanship on them were beautiful. It's just the Pokemon themselves were like the newer ones and not in the original 150. And as a, a 90s kid, I have you trouble. Want one of those. Yes. <laughs> But I looked up on this little shelf and there was a Baymax and I got him instead and he is beautiful and I love him so much. And he's so big yes. for something that was crocheted. He's huge. Um, and then the other place 
that I got some stuff from an artist alley was this graphics artist named David L. Conley, uh, but he goes by free D- free DLC. <laughs> you get it? Yes. Because <laughs> his, his initials are DLC. Yeah. He loves, he loves a good joke and pun in his artwork too. Yes. I got two posters from him that are uh, travel posters which sounds like, why are you getting travel posters at Comic-Con? But one is for Midgar from Final Fantasy VII and the other is for Halabastian from Kingdom Hearts. And the, But they're, I don't know how to describe it. It's that style of like, it, they look like travel posters. They don't say mm-hmm. like Final Fantasy on it. It says visit Midgar and it has a picture of Midgar on it. I'm looking at it to make sure I get it right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Halabastian one on the bottom he had this little section that said exciting new features coming in. And then it's just a bunch of dates from 2005, like crossed out because Kingdom Hearts took so long. And he told us he had it. um, He added the 2018 and then it got delayed again. So I guess it crossed out and it has like a little like bleeped out word next (laughs) to it. (laughs) Like, you know, like just like little symbols. (laughs) And then it says 2019 and it's like heavily circled because it actually came out. Yes. Yeah. His artwork is beautiful. I also have a a Mario sticker that Kevin got me from him. It's on my board right there. Yes. And he was really fun to talk to in person too. And before I forget to mention it, Megan, God, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last <laughs> name. Um, but her store on Etsy and her Instagram is the creeping moon, all one word. And she has all of her stuff for sale on there too. There were so many artists that had such cool artwork and, you know, I realized like they're selling prints of their, their art. They're not selling, you know, like the original painting or something like that. But sometimes I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are selling this for so cheap. Like you only Mm -hmm. want $10 for this. (laughs) This is so cool. So it was a really good opportunity to find, you know, stuff you wouldn't get anywhere else. And I think then it comes with like a cool memory attached to it too, which is a nice bonus. You can get way more than just some little like tchotchke. You can get like all kinds of things. And then on the main show floor end, Stranger Comics was not there this year, which was sad because I do love seeing them every year and buying whatever new release they have and talking to them. And um, fingers crossed, we're still getting... um, the show from them on HBO that was potentially in the works right mm-hmm. before COVID, I think. So hopefully that's something that'll still be happening. But there were also authors out there. There were people doing glassware. There were people doing handmade dice and all kinds of things for D&D, woodworking, sculpting, just, I mean, anything you can really think of. There was candles. I saw tea just all, all kinds of stuff. Um, and the interesting thing about the show floor is like, you really do need three days to actually go through it like successfully (laughs) because there are, there is a map, there are banners hanging above you that tell you where you're going, but you can get lost so easily. We spent an hour trying to find this one booth that made etched glassware. Cause I wanted to get Ryan a pint glass. And I saw it on Friday and I was like, oh, there's glass over there. We should go look at it later. And then by Saturday afternoon, I'm dragging Natalie and Kevin all through that busy show floor. And I'm like, there, 
it was there. I swear I saw it. And I, it got to the point I thought I was going nuts and I hadn't actually seen it. And then on Sunday, we sent Kevin to his panel. We walked more slowly and we found it. And she had like 10 glasses left and I bought two of them. <laughs> yes, it was. I don't know why we had so much trouble trying to find that because I was like, I know she had blue lights behind the display of the glasses and we finally found it. But so that is that is a tip for you at any convention. If you find something on the show floor that you want to come back to, not only take their business card, of course, so you can find them on the internet, but honestly, I would look up and take a picture of whatever banners above your head. Yes, while you're take like a 360 there. picture yeah. of where you're standing. <laughs> so you can get back to where you are. There was also apparently, when it comes to food options that were there in the convention center, there was a beer garden with mac and cheese somewhere that we yeah, never, we never actually find. found it. Um, I know we weren't looking quite that hard because we discovered that there is actually a cafe yum very close to the convention center. And I'm not going to say where it is just so I don't encourage a bunch of people to go. <laughs> it's, can, it's a not even five minute walk. Yeah. You can keep going to Burgerville because we went to Burgerville and it's great. There is <laughs> we a went to cafe yum that was nice and quiet and very close. Because even on a slower day at the convention, the like food situation there is going to take a while. It just, that's how it goes. As far as other things that were going on at the convention, they did have the arcade um, again this year, although it was a lot smaller than it was in years past. And if I remember correctly, someone else brought the games than whoever usually does bring like the pinball machines and everything. So it was a little bit smaller, but we did get to go in there and play pinball for a little bit, which was always cool and fun. I almost took out a man that I know it's not what he was from, but he looked like he was from Paw Patrol. Yes. I got so angry at the pinball. Yes. <laughs> even, even though it was slower in there, it's still like one of those things that um, sometimes you really do have to wait for a machine. So another, another con tip for you is if you are in there, Make sure you play your one game on the machine and then rotate out, you know, let someone else play that as well. But that is always fun to, to be able to do that. And I also, as always, just really like cosplay watching and seeing what people have come dressed up as. Yeah. What are some good ones we saw? We saw a Jareth, the Goblin King, complete with a little baby in a red and white onesie. Yes, little baby Toby. And every time they would set Toby on the ground, Toby would crawl away. And I was like, see, he knows what's up. Toby <laughs> is trying to get out of here. He was <laughs> reenacting the movie. Toby was always just crawling over wherever, no matter who he was with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very true. That one was really good. There were several Deadpools, which I always love to see because when you're, when you're Deadpool, if you've got the basic, you know, like, outfit on underneath you can add all kinds of accoutrements and be even more Deadpool than you were before so my favorite one that I saw was the Deadpool we saw dressed as Woody from Toy Story yeah Um, I saw one that had um he just had the Hello Kitty backpack which is very Mm -hmm. very Deadpool yes (laughs) Um, Uh, there was a lot of wand of uh Wanda's Scarlet Witches uh there was a particular couple that was Wanda and Vision that was very cute 
Yeah, and their costumes were beautiful. Her uh, Scarlet Witch outfit was like velvet, like burgundy velvet. Yeah, like probably the same material that they used in that show. <laughs> yeah, so they were they were very, very well done. I'm trying to think of, I, I would say that was definitely the like most frequent one we saw. We I saw less plague doctors than I was expecting, but we still did see six or seven of them. Yeah, <laughs> less, but probably about six or seven. Yeah. <sighs> I'm debating if I'm going to say this because it's going to spoil something in the Loki show for you that you still haven't watched. Well, that's okay. That's my own. But fault. it was, right. it was killing me because there were several Lokis that I saw, but they were specific Lokis just from that show. Mm-hmm. That uh, this isn't going to make sense to you because I'm not going to tell you oh, much that's fine. context. <laughs> there was, um, there was a Sylvie. Sylvie Loki that was absolutely beautiful like her I'm pretty I did a double take at that woman so many times because I thought it was the actress from the TV (laughs) show so she did a good job yes there was um someone dressed up as the Loki from the original comics with the super super big horns um I think he was also an older gentleman like the TV show and then there was another one that was specifically uh the younger loki and he was carrying the alligator loki and it was the greatest thing <laughs> i've ever seen there, it wasn't a real were. alligator but it was <laughs> well that would have been cool though yeah that would have been crazy that would have been a little a little florida for me but yeah. i think i saw every loki that was from yeah. that tv show <laughs> there were there were quite a few and there were um several people that I really liked how they creatively worked their mask into their, their costume. And I mean, some people had a full, you know, headpiece anyway. Um, so that just kind of did itself, but there were some people that like really creatively worked in a mask into their outfit so that it, it perfectly matched. Um, I was just going through their, um, Instagram to look at some of the, Oh, that was a good idea the pictures um and there definitely is a lot of WandaVisions but I was just scrolling through to see if there were some that we had seen when they were going by there there is always of course um unfortunately a lot of people that I see with really amazing costumes and I have no idea what they are (laughs) but I appreciate (laughs) their their abilities and you know everything they've put into that um there were a lot of winter soldiers too which I feel like is kind of a, a common thing every year too, that that's just a, a popular costume. Yeah. I mean, there was a winter soldier, Captain American winter soldier show this year as well. Mm-hmm. So that also boosted that, but it is, there was a lot of Mandalorians. Yes. Which um, is really interesting because there have always been a lot of Mandalorians pre the Mandalorian because that was one of those really popular costumes to put your own spin on. Mm-hmm. Like I have seen so many people do um, like the Disney princesses, but as Mandalorians, as like bounty hunters and things like that. So there was always a lot of people that, um, cause it's almost like an easy thing to make your own original character with, which is kind of cool. And I did see several Wednesday Adams, I think, because Christina Ricci was there, of course. So that was probably a, a popular choice. Uh, there's a picture on here. These aren't even the people I saw. There's a picture that is a 
group of six or five or six different Loki variants from the TV show. Like all of them are on there. That's so cute. There's even like a child playing boy Loki and he has an alligator. Cute. I also saw multiple Oogie Boogies. Yeah, Oogie Boogie was surprisingly, but also not surprisingly popular. And I did see a handful of Harley Quinns in her outfit from um, the new Suicide Squad film with the red dress. I don't remember if I actually saw a Harley like that. I did see a couple of them. But I mean, overall, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of Comic-Con is seeing what people do. And, you know, next year, of course, our plan is, as always, but I mean, more (laughs) than ever, our plan is to have our our shit together way sooner so that we can actually do a cosplay. But like many people, this year was not very kind to us. (laughs) So we didn't really have the, uh, the brain capacity for that. But hopefully, hopefully next year we will be able to do something because it, it actually is just really fun to dress up like the, the few times I've done it. It is just a really good, a really good time. It's really interesting now to think about what conventions are going to be like moving forward. I mean, next year, I hope we don't have another pandemic convention for the love of God, but maybe we will. But at some point, we will go to a post-pandemic convention. And, you know, like we talked about at the beginning of this, some things are never going back to the way they were at the 2019 convention. So, I mean, in your opinion, what do you think, what do you think is going to be permanently different going forward? Mm. It was a good question because I feel definitely like it's not going to go back to how it was in 2019 and before. But like specifically what is going to be different? I mean, I kind of hope there will be maybe less instances of, or maybe the con flu will be the thing of a pa- of the past because the con flu is real. It is, it is so real. real. <laughs> and it's because you have a bunch of people in one place. You have the HVAC systems or whatever in the convention center and people in their germs. And, you know, you get tired from being there and it's just so easy for you to pick up something, even if it's minor. And it, it was super common for people to be sick for a few days after they've been at a convention. I've had that happen to me too. Obviously we have no scientific evidence, but I would love to know how many people were sick after this one. Um, Hopefully none with COVID because they did require you to show proof of vaccination or proof of a negative test within 48 hours. So that's not like, you know, 100% foolproof, of course, but with people wearing masks and stuff, I mean, I hope there were less instances of con flu, just like how last year we really didn't have as many cases of the, the flu regular flu, flu and, and colds and stuff from people wearing their masks. So, I mean, I, I would like in general for American society to get on board with the idea of if you feel sick and you know, you're not dying, so you don't need to stay home, but if you feel sick and you're going to be on public transit or you're going to a convention wear a mask like Mm -hmm. I would love for that to become a permanent thing yeah because that's very common in a lot of other countries already I think for one thing that might be different but this is just a personal me thing is I might wear a mask to cons forever 
whether I feel good or not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just to, I mean, if that's all I got to do to not be sick, like every time I went to a convention. Yeah. And I'm so used to it now. Yeah. Like that's, that would be completely fine. And I, I had a cute little animal crossing mask and I have an it mask (laughs) and I have a Spider-Man mask. And they're all all great fun and, you know, nice material and nicely made and everything. Yeah. And they're cute. It's like wearing a cute shirt. Yeah. (laughs) I go back and forth on whether it'll become a permanent thing because on one hand, I'm like, that would be nice. And then on the other hand, I'm like, there's actually a reason we didn't have that before is just the, you know, having the hand sanitizer everywhere, Mm -hmm. which is nice right now because you like, you can just always stop and get some, but there is a scientific reason we didn't have that before. Because, you know, in normal circumstances, that's how you end up creating like super bugs. So that probably will become a thing in the past again. It'll be interesting to see at what point that will become a thing. Yeah. Maybe it's just like the way people approach cons might be differently. Mm-hmm. Might be differently. <laughs> Almost my bedtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I felt like I, not that I've ever actually really had a problem at RCCC before, um, but I felt people were like really patient and understanding and willing to move slower. And I really hope that continues to be the case. Yeah. And I don't know if that will, that's true for all cons or, uh, but it was definitely true at Rose City. Um, even though it was, it was pretty busy there, not like previous years but especially that Saturday that was a bustling building Mm -hmm. Um, but people were very conscious of other people around them but in like a good way like you Mm -hmm. could tell people were trying to give other people space as much as they could in the panel rooms people automatically put six feet between them in chairs um, even in the big rooms and people were just very good about it I guess there was no like at least I saw there was no like grumbling there was no I'm not gonna wear this mask because of my freedoms going on or anything yeah I'm sure there were people there that believed that but (laughs) it, it was they just seemed very willing to like be patient with each other and you know work together and like be here to enjoy things and not get like frustrated and I I know we always make it a point to get things from the show floor from independent creators, but I felt like I actually spent more money this year because I really wanted to make sure I was supporting them. Um, and that's, I mean, that's something that I definitely want to keep doing going forward. And I have no idea, you know, what their sales can uh, compared to previous years were like, I would, the hopeful part of me would want to believe that they were more and that like many other people were maybe doing the same thing we were, but I don't know. It it actually could have been the opposite. Maybe it was less, but I I hope maybe other people have that mindset going forward too. All of it was so cheap. (laughs) I know it just, it it was kind of baffling, but I was going pretty ham in there and I (laughs) left with money left over. Kelsey was throwing $100 bills down, you know, she's out of control. But in those pint glasses, I got two of them, one Star Wars and one Lord of the Rings. They were eight dollars each. I know that's crazy to think about. But I mean, I hope I hope people going forward will just, you know, keeping patient and thinking about other people and 
remember you're doing this kind of thing because it's fun and because you love it and not because you're here to be irritated at people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so here's hoping, here's hoping next year when we talk about Rose City that we are talking about our first post-pandemic experience at a con. Yeah. And um, we have one to go to next year. Yeah. Not to be like Debbie Downer, because it did happen well, this year. Yeah. I was like, whoa, we're <laughs> I don't trust. <laughs> Fair. I don't trust we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we will though. We're we're slowly inching our way there, at least yeah. in America. <laughs> Some of us are trying, yes. <laughs> but um altogether for me, it was a really good experience this year. I felt safe being there. It was nice to be in a, a group where people were acknowledging how difficult the last few years had been and while still being like, yeah, we're here to have a good time. Um, but we can also talk about this bad stuff that happened in the last couple of years. We can also talk about, you know, things like how disappointing JK Rowling is and how upsetting that is and still be here having a good time and have important conversations and care about your fellow nerds so yes it was a great comic-con i'm very glad we were able to go (laughs) and all these other people were also able to go and all those people were also vaccinated yes this is nice you know to to get slightly less nerdy and more into the the state of the world but it was nice to be in a building full of a lot of people and just be like "Mm," like 99 percent of these people are vaccinated and that's nice yeah <laughs> and you had to be to get in there yeah and did some people probably have fake ones sure I don't know but in general it just felt a lot better so here's hoping that we're heading into a year where life life is never going to settle down I will not ever say that again because it's just not gonna but <laughs> life will be in a place where amidst the chaos we can keep doing this podcast more regularly we can dress up, new cosplay at Comic-Con, and maybe we can even have some nerd-ascended buttons and shirts and, you know, things, stickers. And masks. Masks, <laughs> things like that next year. And that will just be in like a, not the surviving space anymore, but the thriving space. Yes. The, you know? I don't want to say recovering, but. No, past the just trying past to exist. The recovering, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and actually like getting in it. So Here's to next year. Hopefully we'll see some nerd-ascended listeners there next year. We can give you a button. And yeah, I think that's all for this one. So we will talk to you next time. Bye, Bye nerds. nerds! Intro and outro music is courtesy of Sneaky Creaky on Yummy Sounds. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerd Ascended. You can also email us at nerdascendedpodcast at gmail.com. And ratings are always appreciated.